0: chain, and every chain has been broken. The anointing breaks the yoke. Or the anointing is not something that we can conjure up or push into existence or drive into. It's not a, it's not first an emotional experience, but it's a deep witnessing of the anointed one, Jesus Christ, witnessing with our spirit that we are anointed of God we just pray that you would take this time, bless these words in Jesus' precious name, amen. We're looking at Luke chapter 5, and this is the second in a series that we're doing on intimacy with God. Last week, if you missed it, um, intimacy with God can be described as something that's really missing in society, that uh, intimacy, we, we don't experience intimacy on so many levels because we live in a society that is just so knowledge driven. It's great to have Michael here back from uh, school. Yeah. He Just shows up. I didn't right, you know when you're coming. <laughs> every every three weeks. Every three weeks. Yeah. And there's so much knowledge out there. There's so much information, right? There's just so much I mean you can Google anything. And within seconds you can just be a, you can know everything about a topic almost. And what that produces is a sense of, a false sense of fullness. I know, therefore, I am equipped. Intimacy, though, is something that's much deeper. It's when we, it's when we what, with what we know, has become a part of ours, our heart in the sense that it is not something that is only in the head, but it is now part of my core. And we see that. We said last week that the word intimacy comes from a word uh, intus in the Latin, which means that which is most in us, that which is the most inside of us, that part, that core part of us that is inside. Nietzsche, that philosopher back in the day, um, created a concept of what is called the uber man, the superman, the the man that is powerful, achieving, self-sufficient, strong man. And this is something that is very prevalent in our society. We use words in American society that relate to success like this. We're killing it, right? Other words like that, just very violent words describe success. When we talk about the power of God, (coughs) it's sometimes translated in churches as an impersonal force, it's knocking people over. Okay, And that is not the Holy Spirit. That is not the intimacy that we can discover with God. Jesus desires intimacy with you and I. And that is why he said at communion, at that last supper, he said, with great desiring, I have desired to eat of this with you. And that in the Greek, and we've said this the last three weeks, it's epithumos, epithumos. He said, with great desiring, I have desired. And that means I have just desired greatly to have this with you. God's desire for you and I is communion. And so, this is where we experience body life. This is what we call here, body life. Where we are in the body of Christ, where we are bearing one another's burden, we are praying with each other, we are in a syncristic way, or in a, I'm sorry, not synchronous, but a synergistic way, uh, we are in a place where I can feel safe and I can pour out with another body member what's happening in my life and I can say I need prayer. And I think that all of us are there. Intimacy with God is three things it's deeply seen, God deeply sees us, He sees us very deeply. Uh, Psalm 139. God, and this is Psalm 139. Is a beautiful chapter about David's intimacy with God. David was an Old Testament man who really understood the New Covenant. He really understood. I mean, he said stuff that were so outside of the box. He had this walk with God, and God kind of, kind of broke out of the dispensation of that time and just kind of poured in a foreknowledge, a foreshadowing of the great grace of God. And so David would do these crazy things that. Blew everybody's minds. <clears throat> David understood that he was deeply seen. Number two, he was deeply understood. Deeply understood. I, I really I pray that the Holy Spirit would just go beyond what we're saying here, and really just bring these points to us because we need this. We desperately need intimacy with God. We are deeply understood. There's a part of us, and we've spoken about it here before, but there's a part of us, as the writer of Proverbs writes, who said that the heart knows its own bitterness. There's a part of us that is so deep that no one can know it. No one can know it. You and I in this room, there's a part of us that no person can know that part, not your Family member, not your friends, not your mentor, not even your mates if you're married, not even you yourself. There's a part of us that we just do not know, and we do not understand, and it cries out, it's a void, and it cries out for the Holy Spirit Comforter. And this part of us, sometimes we bring into relationship, we bring this into uh, into our church. We bring this into our workplace. We bring this into wherever. Uh, we bring this in, and, we're, and there's a part of us crying out, understand me. Please see me. Understand me. Know me. Love me. Understand me. And sometimes we bring that into relationship and we put an undue expectation and pressure and stress on, on individuals because, to be honest with you, human beings do not know how to handle that deep need. Okay, there's a deep me inside of us. There's something that is happening inside of us, and that is spiritual. It's our spirit, and it's part of no, It's part of you that no one can understand. Is that clear? Does it make sense? That part of us, what we call the depths of man, in Psalm, when we looked at that verse last week in the book of Psalms, deep calls into the deep, but the noise of thy water stuff. We said that the depths of man, that part that is unknowable. I'm going to get to the scripture in a second. That part of, of us that is unknowable is, know, is knowable by God. And, and we said in the book of Corinthians last week that the spirit of man knows the things of a man, knows the mind of a man. Only the spirit of man knows the mind of a man. And the spirit of God knows the deep things of God. And so we require a deep relationship. We require that. We, we, we cannot function without it very long. Or we burn out. We burn out, we break down. Uh, we shut down we break up or whatever the word we want to use and whatever we default to in our dysfunction because every one of us have dysfunctions in our flesh that we just default to when we are when we're just not when we are when we don't understand the under the the deeply seen the spirit of god witnessing with our spirit and that deep knowledge and that deep understanding and that deeply and that's the third thing i want to say is deeply loved we're deeply, deeply <clears throat> loved. We're deeply loved. There's moments with uh, our little guy, Caleb, that I don't know if you have a child or someone else that you really love in your life, or that um, and they'll look at you, and you can just read in their eyes like like there's a connection there. It doesn't very really happen very often, but this week, we're sitting down watching. Some cartoon or something, about the five little ducks walk off Have you guys ever seen that? And, um, and then, um, what's that shark about the shark? baby shark. It's very, very hypnotic. Baby shark. We're watching this, and he's sitting in my lap. He looks at me. He bends back. He looks at me, and there's this look like, you're there. I'm safe. You ever had that look with a kid? I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. but Ever since I became a dad, I'm very sentimental. I'm very sentimental now I'm very, very like okay. Before I had a kid, I thought, oh, these people like yeah, gonna talk about the kids, like okay, let's get on with that. You know, we like, okay. the cute stories, but there's this need inside of every one of us to connect on a very deep level, and 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 this is intimacy, and it is not success. Is so different. The way we define success is so different than the way. Godly uh, defines success. We define it in our American culture as like, like man, we just blew that away. That was just so explosive, and yet with God, it's such a different, it's a, such a different connection. I want to look at Luke chapter five, and I don't want to belabor this too long this morning, but here in Luke chapter five. Um, Let's read this. On one occasion, while the crowd in verse one was pressing in on him, Jesus to hear the word of God, he was saved by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Day was over. You ever have a work day? I used to work in basement waterproofing. You know what? If you want, if you want hard labor, that's hard labor right there. I mean, you're carrying heavy buckets of rock out of a basement, a smelly, dirty basement that's mildew and. You know, I remember coming back to the mission field, and I was just like not eating a lot because we didn't have a lot of money overseas, and I was like just skin and bones all I was. And I'm carrying like these 40 pound buckets of just rocks in both arms, and you know, just working. And at the end of the day, it was just such a great moment because you're washing out the buckets, you're just cleaning things up, you're cleaning your tools, you're just putting everything back in its place, and back in the truck, right? You know what I'm talking about. This was at that, that. This was at that, that moment. It was kind of like a, like you know, you guys are. Packing up your trailer. I was just thinking last night. <laughs> yes, that was us. A... Packing up the trailer, watching me like, okay, we are done. I can't wait to be out home. And uh, you just get into this relaxation mode, right? Packing things up. Well, this is what the this is what was happening with the disciples. And they were washing their nets. Verse 3, getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, Jesus asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and he talked to people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Okay? Here's a teacher telling a professional fisherman what to do. Don't you love Jesus? Jesus says, we don't read, like, any experience that Jesus has about fishing, but he knows what's going on. That's what I love it. Jesus is greater than people's experience. That's why like every Monday morning, um, I, I stand with a group of businessmen, and uh, these guys are moving millions of dollars, you know, like every week. These guys are just make move, and shape, and move, make it happen. And when I was asked to do that, these are guys that don't go to our church, um, except for Jeff. Um, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to say to these people, and so you yeah, when, when I talk to these guys. There's such wisdom that we experience together. But here Jesus is saying to Simon, the pro, the experienced fisherman, hey, go out, and I want you, I want you to grab your net. We're going to try this again. And they and he they pushes out, and then, and then in verse 5, and Simon answered, Master. Look at that. I want, I want us to look at the words here, Master. What's the word here, Master? Master is the word that's used for master-slave relationship. master Uh, unknowing individual what's going on. And so here's Simon not understanding what's going on. And so he looks at Jesus in, in uh, in a way that he does not understand Jesus. He's looking at Jesus. This is the way the law was with individuals. Master, slave. Master, person that is not able to meet up with the conditions of the law. And so Peter says, Pastor, we have toiled all night. I went for a walk last night, really late at night, just thinking, not this word toil. And I don't know, I feel like I've had a toil, a toilsome week. I don't know about you guys. I don't mean that to complain, but it's just sometimes things get so busy and we are just so wiped out emotionally and just you know. I don't know about you. But we were talking with this with Rick about this last Sunday. That I that I think sometimes to be so social can be so exhausting. I can't out. We can We get so social, like I am just so peopled out. It's a word that. I don't know if you've ever heard that. And it may not sound spiritual, but there's a moment where we're like yesterday we were at this event, you know, a 25-year anniversary of a church in the area, and we were just talking to people. It was so social. And I and I came home and I was like, oh, I am just exhausted. And I just crave just fellowship, deep intimacy with God, and deep intimacy with people. I and mean, I was thinking about this toiling, and I don't mean that was a bad event, it was an awesome event, but there can be this toiling. Happen inside of us, where we are just exhausted in a, in a soul way, and our soul is exhausted. And we don't have any strength, and so Simon is using this word: we are exhausted. <clears throat> we are, have you been there? Yeah. Have you been exhausted emotionally in relationships? Have yeah. you been exhausted in ministry? Have you been exhausted in parenthood? I don't know. We're just experiencing that now. You know, the exhaustion. I don't want to be negative. Exhaustion in business, exhaustion in this, exhaustion in that. Exhaust exhaustion is putting something on that is not you. Okay? There's so much we can say about that. But Simon said, we are exhausted. We we've toiled all night and took and, he just said, and took nothing. Exclamation point. Right? Took nothing. We took not- we toiled and there was no reward for our labor. This is the system that people live in, okay? This is where people, you, you and I can get into this system. This is the way the world runs. The system, and we've said this before, the world says, take this and enjoy this, and you can have this, but in the process, it's stealing your soul, it's stealing your emotions, it's stealing your mind, it's stealing your purity, it's stealing stuff out of you. Because relationship in the world means transaction, it means trade-off, it means I'm losing a part of me. It means that, okay, I'm doing this, but. I'm going to get what I want, but I'm going to lose a part of myself. Now, I'm not talking about our salvation, but this world that we live in is so transactional. And this is not what the body of Christ is about. This is not what the church is about. This is not, you know, the relationship with God. Sometimes we hear with um, about marriage. Marriage is 50-50, right? 50-her, 50, 50-him. 50, I, I, I like to look at it like this. Maybe I'm wrong about this. Uh, I'm married 25 years and I'm still learning, but I think it's 100% God and just us, zero. Just like we're recipients and just giving it to each other. Yeah. You know something? It's like sometimes we don't have it to give, and we just look to God like, I don't have it to give, and so we just let God pour into us, and we have something in relationship. Because you know something, when our vertical, when we just get so wiped out with the system and so wiped out with the transactions of the system of education, the system of economic systems and religious systems and all of these social systems that we live in, we get so exhausted and stretched out We're just like, okay, God, I'm done Okay, it's like it's like Elijah at the end of his run He says, okay, God, I don't know where I am I've run for days and days and days And now I just kill just me uh, A man of God, Elijah, is suicidal It can happen, it can happen in ministry I'm not feeling so suicidal Please don't worry about me today uh, I'm not saying <laughs> just want to clarify that Look at this next verse here It says this master be pulled all night and took nothing, but at your word, at your word. Yes. But at your word. But. Love that word, but that's such a powerful word in the New Testament. It means that it's the moment of pivotal change. He said, but at thy word. And what's the word here that he uses in the, in the Greek? Rama, Rhema. Rhema. What is Rhema? What is that magic word? What does that word mean? It means, let's, let's just explain it this way. When you have toils, and you are wiped out, and you are exhausted, and you're at the end of your whatever, your end of your rope, end of your dock, end of whatever, end of your wits, end of your mind, you're at a place where you're face-to-face with the void, that, that not the void, but that part of you that is, that, that no one can identify with except for the Spirit of God. At that moment, at that moment of exhaustion, you look to God and you say, God, this is it. I'm toiled. I'm done with this. I'm done with all of this. And to say that we have not been there in ministry would be to lie. Sometimes you're wondering, like, what is this? I want to cast it. I'm going to just throw this whole thing into the... Uh, yeah, I want to just cast it. Just throw it in the towel. And so, at that moment, God, Jesus speaks. Just launch out of the deep. The deep. What does that mean? I, Jesus is talking to uh, Peter about going into the water. But here, I think Jesus is speaking to a believer. Let's go deep. Launch out into the deep. Let's grow deeper. Let's grow deeper than the shallow conversation, the narrative that's going on in the world about politics and about social status. And this very shallow conversation that's going on in the world. You know what I'm talking about? I don't know how. I can't be on that level too long before I'm just I'm just done. Jesus says, let's go deep. Let's go deep. And I think this is what this is what we hunger for in Christianity. Let's go deep. And, and here um, Peter is saying, but we have already done that, we've taken nothing. There's no result. I'm tired of trying. And so but at thy word, at that rhema. Rhema is what happens when we are at the end of our own strength in our flesh, and we realize that it was the flesh. And then we have a word with Christ, a word witnessing, uh, the word witnessing with our spirit. At Ramah, at inner, it's when the Logos is when we know what we know about the word of God becomes a witnessing, it becomes a part of us. We it witnesses with us in this certain circumstance where I can understand that Jesus is present with me and he's speaking to me. And I can I can stand up I can be and I'm strengthened. That's the framework. When the word of God, an aspect of the logos, becomes something that is clear and real to me in my personal life on an intimate level. Does that, does that make sense? It's when it's an aha moment. It's like oh aha I get it. It's called revelation. And so Peter says, "But at thy word I will let down the nets." And when they had done that, in verse six. Uh, they enclosed a great number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled with both of the boats so that they both began to sink. And in verse 8, when when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees. I think this is just amazing. This verse speaks so much to me. When Peter saw it, there's a moment when all of this is going on and you have this revelation from God. This is a miracle. <laughs> this is incredible. And you're just looking back and you're like, wow, what is going on here? And he, and he, and he, and he, um, he falls at Jesus' feet and he, he, he says uh, in verse eight, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. I just want to make a couple of comments about that. Here's Peter. There's a lot of discussion about, is this where Peter gets saved? Is this where he's not saved? he's just recognizing something? Or he is saved? But I don't want to address that. I want to look at it like this. I want us to understand this. It's that, that It says here that, um, for he, in verse 9, and all that were with him were astonished. I want to look at that word there from an astonished. This word in the Greek is thambos. Thambos. And it just means to be so astonished by something, not by the force of something, not by the power of something, but by the person of something. You get that? Astonishment that comes, that results in admiration, OK? It's not an astonishment by, by, the, by the power of something that just knocks everybody over, some impersonal force where, like, what is going on here? But it's an astonishment of a It's an an admiration. It's like, it's Thambos. I think of this when I was looking at this in Greek. You ever see these Marvel Marvel comics where it's just like, you know, it's BAM or WOW or SAWI or, you know, like this explosive picture of, you know, just think of that word, Thambos is right there. Thambos, I've been Thamos by by Christ's miracle, by his grace. And Peter here is, he is astonished at what is happening, and he falls at Jesus' feet. and he says, and he says, depart. And that word depart in the Greek just means very deeply, leave. Just go away, I'm a bad person, you don't know me. And when he says here, I'm a sinful man, Luke uses this word sinful. I'm a sinful, I'm a sinner. Luke uses this, you know this word sinner and sinful is used 22 times in the New Testament, and guess where 15 times of those were used? In the book of Luke why is that important because the the book of Luke is telling us that that the broken humanity that results in in sin um, it it creates the compassion of Jesus Christ on that state it's a compassionate situation and so Peter is here he's he is overwhelmed with the astonishment of grace. I don't believe he's overwhelmed with his own sin, or he's overwhelmed with his own fear, or his own, he's just astonished at the grace of God at this moment. He's astonished at something that he did not deserve. He's astonished that in his own unbelief, he cast the net over to the right side of the boat. And he just did it. He just cast it over. And there was a great, there was a great catch of fish, Peter. Falls in his face before Christ, and he says, "Apart from me, from a sinful man." This word "sinful" is not used, is not used in the sense of okay, ceremonially unclean, but it just means that this person, this person does not fit in the system of the religious system. He's not fitting in the social system. He's an outcast. He is not fitting. And he says, "You know what, Jesus?" He says, "I'm not. I don't know who you are. You're a master. You're an amazing teacher, but I'm probably not going to fit in your category." of whatever you're doing. I'm not going to fit in there. Peter is like a loner. He's a fisherman. He's got a very rough culture he's living in. We don't know what his education level was. They Some say that he had a very low education level. And so Peter is just saying, I want to preface this relationship. I want to preface this grace that you just give me with the understanding that I can't produce. I'm not going to carry any end on my end. Uh, I'm just, I'm a guy that's just, you know, I'm a bad man. So it's probably better for you, Jesus, to leave now in a relationship before I disappoint you. Get it? <laughs> That's like what you say it. I'm a, I don't know if you've ever said that to somebody. I've heard it said. I've thought it. Jesus, I, I, I am a sinful man. This is probably the second time. It's not the first time that he meets Jesus. And he says, I am a fallen, broken person. And it's better for you to depart from me now. And he's just laying at Jesus' feet boats are sinking, there's fish everywhere grace has been extended this amazing blessing from God has extended on, on Peter, Peter is just and what is what does Peter do? he disqualifies himself, this yeah. is so weird because sometimes when there's a great revelation of grace in our life we heard what Chris said, he got saved and then he just started this crazy journey of rebellion, that doesn't make any sense when you get saved you're not supposed to supposedly go off into rebellion discovered who he was in Christ the unconditional love of Christ and sometimes that can result in some crazy living and I can explain that later it's not that God condones sin but I think that when we receive, when we see the true grace of God in our life, we're just like like you know what, I don't this is so, there's no way I can maintain this relationship, you're so good to me, God there's no way I can maintain this relationship so it's better that you depart from me now it's better that you just Walk away before I question, before I hurt you. And this is all, all of Peter's weird complexes inside of him. And what does Jesus say? What does Jesus say? Jesus looks into the depths of Peter, and he sees that part of Peter that no one sees, and he says this. He says this. He said, Do not be afraid. to Peter's soul and you see it's a real problem here, yeah. it's fear. It's real, sphere. fear, it's fear. It's the baseline. It's like, what? I mean, this was great, it began great, but how can we maintain this? You know, how can we continue this? Is this is going to be full, full nets all the time. And so Jesus said, be not afraid. I just want to say that this morning. I want to close with that. It's, it's the with God, it begins with Peter understanding that Jesus is not a Jesus is speaking necessary in the sense of worship, but he's just there because he's just, he's wiped out man, and he's exhausted he's tired, he has not produced this and he understands that he can't maintain it and then he says apart from Jesus, do not fear do not fear. You know what fear is? Fear is the absence of the unconditional deep love of Christ inside of us yes. it doesn't matter what's happening in your life this it doesn't matter what's happening right now it doesn't matter if you're in a place of success or a place of failure you are deeply seen by God you are deeply understood by God and you are deeply loved by God God's going to love you all the way to the gates of heaven God's going to love you through your trials He's going to love you through your pain He's going to love you when you think that I, when there are times you walk down by and you go for a walk and you're going to be like I do not I do not even know if I'm even I don't even mean, know if I believe, and it's fine because at that moment Jesus is present and He's going to love us through. And you know something? I want to close with this. Look at this. This is amazing. Do not be afraid from now on. I'm giving you a greater purpose. I'm giving you something bigger than fish because you catch and kill fish. I want. I'm going to give you something. Now I'm going to, You're going to catch men, and you're going to. And you're going to be a part of discipling them and leading them to a place of salvation. You're going to be. Able, You're going to be a discipler them. And he said, when they had brought their boats to land, and this is grace discipleship right here. This is grace discipleship. When they brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Amen. They left everything and followed him. The gospel does not begin with you leaving everything and following Christ. The gospel begins with you and I on a boat, in some weird grace situation. We are blown, astonished by the grace of God. Thambos, we are blown away by the person, we are in a place of astonishment and admiration of the personhood of Jesus Christ. And we're at his feet, we're saying, Jesus, this is it, I cannot I cannot continue this, it's gotta be all you and, be-. and Jesus says, don't be afraid, I'm not leaving you. I'm not gonna leave you, I'm not gonna forsake you, and if you make your bed in hell, I am there yes. with yes. you. Yes. Let us close our eyes and let us bow our heads. Heavenly Father, there's no way that we can understand discipleship by opening books and filling in the blanks, sitting in some kind of educational environment. Discipleship. We are astonished at that amazing kindness of God Amazing grace, and it just changes us. We don't can't explain it. The human soul, the human psyche was made to be changed by the catalyst of God's grace, the gospel. And 25 years down the road, 30, 40 years down the road, we're still going to be astonished at, at your grace. We're going to be astonished at your kindness toward us. Or you remember that we were made from dust, that we have compassion on. Lord, we want to as Peter just lay lay at the foot of the cross, at the foot of Jesus, and just say, Jesus, if we don't fit in any system, we don't fit in any any 12 steps to success. We don't fit in the we don't fit in the ways of it's the mind of man. Want to hear your voice. You know, if you're not, if you're not, I agree with purpose. Lord. Lord, hey, our business, whatever is going on, that may all fall apart. But one thing remains: we have an eternal purpose in Jesus Christ. We eternal purpose in Christ. Everybody.